Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Did you hear me? I said a new day always starts in the dark, but it is not from the darkness from, from the day before. There comes a time in the nighttime where the clock strikes and a new day begins. And when the new day begins, it's still dark. And how many of you know that we have been going through some dark times in our world, in our culture, in our lives, in our church for approximately the last two and a half years. It's been a dark time. It's been a dark season. Would anybody agree with that? But even though we've gone through some dark times, I'm telling you, a new day always starts in the dark. So there's a new day that is upon us, and we've got to be ready for it and understand what that means to us. But I believe because of just all the propaganda and all the stuff that we have been hearing and seeing that they try to tell us what's going on over here with the left hand, but really this is what's going on with the right hand. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's the X, Y, and Z that they want us to see and want us to hear, but the big picture of God's plan is going on right here, and because we buy into or get distracted or, 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 or become disillusioned by what we hear, we end up getting disoriented and are not really aware of what's going on. In present days. For instance, just to give you a natural example of that, you know, concerning pilots, I don't know if we got any pilots in here, but for pilots that are maybe a little bit lesser in their training, uh, when a pilot flies, they try to uh, fly into the areas in which they're most trained in. But there are times that pilots have gotten themselves into trouble, and that is, is when they fly into territory or in disguise that are cloudy, foggy, or end up turning dark. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if their training has not taught them how to use the tools of their dashboard and know how to read those dials to tell them where they're at, they have 90 seconds to get their orientation because if they go any longer than 90 seconds, they will soon find out that they don't know what's up or down. And that's why so many pilots that when they're young or when they're inexperienced, they crash. Because they don't know how to use the instrument panel when it comes to all the disillusionment and the clouds and the fog and the darkness that's upon them. They don't know what's up or down. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 
And I believe that's what's happened to many of the body of Christ is that when darkness and the fog and all the clouds of what we hear and see, we lose our orientation and become disoriented because we don't know how to use the tools that God has given us to discern what's up and down. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about when it comes to the tool? Amen? How many of you know that you, you, you can learn this tool on your own? God's given you the Holy Spirit on the inside, but you also know that there's school, and that is church. You go to church to go to school to learn about the tools and the instrument panel that God's given you, right? Why? To help navigate and know how to discern the time that you're living in. And so we've got to be aware of the, the season and the time that we're living in. And again, today represents a new day. We're living in a new day. Now, I said that we are coming through a season, if you will, into this new day. We know that the season that we're living in right now is the season that is going to lead us to Jesus' return. But we have gone through a season, and, and the best way that I could that I can describe it is that we as the church have gone through a dry, famine, drought season for probably the last two and a half decades. For about the last 20 years plus, we have been going through a dry, drought, famine season in the church. And God's saying, I want there to be a new day in the church. Amen. Now, what ends up happening when you have a drought or a dry season? Again, when I'm talking about a dry season, I'm talking about a dry, famine, dry season spiritually in what I'm referring to. But when you think about a dry season, if you think about the landscape in a droughted, dry region, there's some things that you begin to take notice of. The vegetation in the landscape, one of the things you'll begin to recognize is that there are some plants that can't survive. They'll wither up, and they'll dry up, and they'll die. But then there are other plants and other vegetations that have a root system that even though it's a drought, even though there's a famine, even though it is extremely dry, their roots begin to dig deep so that they can get the nourishment and the hydration that they need. Amen? Well, you realize the deeper the roots go, the stronger the foundation becomes. And so even though there has been a dry season, we've been kind of going through the motions, if you will. This has been a season that our roots have been able to dig deep and establish us for the storms that we went through. And let me tell you, there are more storms on the horizon. And so this has been a dry rooting season that we've gone through, but the rooting season has come to an end. Now we're going into a fruit season. Amen. Remember, Jesus said this. He said, the harvest is ready. Come on, the labors are few, but the harvest is ready. Why? Because I'm coming soon. When I'm coming, he says, that's when the harvest is going to be most plentiful. So right now we know that it is fruit season, even though it's been a dry season. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now, when it comes to the fruit, one of the things that we know is that, you know, there is the dry season where, again, there's the roots that are digging deep. 
But what ends up happening just before the fruit season is that the rains come. The rains come and they fall and they saturate the land and the landscape that allows things to green up and become more alive so that the fruit can bud and produce fruit. So what that means is, is that there is a rainy season that is coming on the church. The rain is, going, is coming. The rain is going to begin to fall. And the, uh, again, in regards to the rain, we're talking about the presence, the glory, the manifested uh, goodness of God in our lives. And when we begin to experience the rain of God, we are going to see fruit like we've never seen before. But let me just tell you that when it comes to the fruit that we're talking about, the fruit of blessing in your life, the fruit of increase within the church, seeing the landscape change within our community, it is not going to happen just by accident. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to take the church contending for the rain. What does that mean? It means we're going to have to ask for it, pray for the rain. That God said this, he said, in the last days, he said, I'll pour out the rain like it was in the former and the latter rain together. So in other words, for us to experience the glory, the presence of God, the outpouring of the spirit of God, like he said he's wanting to do and will do, we've got to contend for it. You might say, well, what does it mean if we don't contend for it? Well, then you'll hear about the outpourings of God. You'll hear about the moves of God. But it might be down in Florida. It might be down in Texas. It might be in Oklahoma. It might be down the road. But it might miss you. I don't want it to miss me. I don't want it to miss my church. I want the glory of God to start falling to where people say, wait a minute, have you heard what's going on at GVC? The rain's falling at GVC, and I need some fruit in my life. Let's go there. Amen. Amen. Why? Because of the goodness and the glory of God. And again, we must contend for the rain. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But I want to share with you something that a pastor we know just shared with us uh, last week. He pastors a church, I think he's down in Texas. But he had a staff meeting and staff lunch, and they said they were getting together there and so they were getting ready to eat before the meeting, and he said, I had my salad in front of me. And he said, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God fell on me. And he said, oh, I began to weep. He said, I just began to weep so profusely. And he said, and then these words came up out of my spirit. He said, I began to say, new faces, new graces, new places. And he said, that's all that would come out. New faces, new graces, and new places. And he said, he just kept weeping. And he said, after the meeting, he said, you know, the presence of God showed up and he just kind of turned into a prayer meeting. And he said, and then afterwards, he was talking to the Lord about it. And he says, God, he says, I, I, I understand some of that. He said, but there's some of it that I, I don't understand. And he said, you said, new faces, New graces and new places. He says, I, I have somewhat of an idea what that means. That, that, that means there's increase that's coming. And the Lord said, yes. And he said, but when I was weeping, he said, there was such a travail in my heart. He said, there was such a heaviness. He said, if the increase is coming, why did I have such a heaviness of heart? And he said, the Lord said to him, because in order for you to experience the increase of new faces and new graces and new places, it's going to come at the death of faces, graces, and places. 
So what does that mean? That means a couple things. It means that church might look a little bit different. It's always wonder, you always wonder, say, well, how come, you know, so-and-so, and how come we see and don't see? Well, God needs to, you know, the scripture talks about the pruning of the vine in order that there can be growth. We don't like it when pruning time comes because it's always painful. But God's looking to do some things, and so there just might be new faces. But one of the things that he said that the Lord said to him specifically He said, in regards to the new faces and new graces and new places, he said, it will begin with the person that you see in the mirror. Whoo! Praise God. Well, what does that mean? It means that God's wanting to change the person that I'm looking at in the mirror. He's wanting to give me a facelift, if you will. Well, what's the facelift look like? It looks a lot more like Jesus in the person that I'm looking at. Amen. The graces where I've been going through this life trying to do it through the arm of the flesh and saying, God, why am I frustrated? Why isn't it working? God, how come? And therefore, rather than doing it in the arm of the flesh, there's new grace that comes upon you to be able to fulfill what God's called you to do, run the race and fulfill the plan of God in your life. And therefore, it's going to take you to new places. Amen. Not just being limited to your four square room, but no, God wants to expand your borders so that you have a greater impact and influence. Why? Because there's fruit and people are the fruit of the earth. Amen. God needs to move and he wants to move through you because it's a new day. I said, it's a new day. There's new faces and new places and new graces that God wants to Pour out into our lives. You know, in Acts chapter 2, we shared this with you last week. Jesus said this to his disciples. Or actually, I'm sorry, it was Peter that stood up and said this. He said, concerning what you see and hear, he says, this is the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it is what he already spoke of in Joel. He said, that in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. He said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh in the last days. He says, not just on Christians, but on the unsaved. So why can we have a confidence that when it comes to Easter Sunday and there's somebody that is just as stiff-necked and hard-hearted as can be and they come up to receive healing, well, why can we have an assurance that God's going to minister to their body? Because God loves them in spite of them. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Well, I don't know about you, but in the last, probably the last year and a half, in two years, there has been such a stirring in my heart that God is shifting and God is moving and there is an outpouring that is on us and is continuing to come in a greater measure. Once again, I realize that you, we've heard it before. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I get that. Understand it. I've heard it all my life. But there's something in the heart of men that, that can sense something different in the air. Amen. How many of you have ever noticed that when the rain is coming, it begins to look different, feel different, sound different, smell different, right? I mean, it can be a beautiful day. It can be sunshiny, hot, not a cloud in the sky. But in the matter of a half hour, the sky can turn dark. 
The winds can pick up. They were coming out of the south, but they're coming out of the north. It was 80-some degrees. Now it's 62 degrees. And all of a sudden, you start to feel a dampness in the air. And you begin to feel it in your bones. And you can even smell it in the air. Rain is coming. Something's shifting and something's changing. Well, if you're in tune to the Spirit of God, you can sense something's changing. God's moving. He's wanting us to respond to Him in this hour because it's a new day. Come on, say it with me. It's a new day. It's a new day. Amen. We know that the Lord is moving in this hour. We know that He's desiring to move and increase and that we'll see church growth. But one of the things that I said to the Lord just not too long ago, this was a matter of just, it was probably in the middle of the pandemic, if you will. I was praying, and just as I've been feeling this shift on the inside, I said to the Lord, I said to him, I said, God, there's got to be an awakening within the people of God. And surely there is going to be a shift in this hour where you see people that leave milk toast churches that just cater to the flesh and the emotions of a person and to where you'll see people come into a solid church that teaches the word of God and teaches them how to know the voice of God and walk with God. I said, surely there's got to be a transition and where we'll see a difference in some of those other churches. And please don't hear me as being critical. It's just what it is. You understand that. And the Lord said to me, he said, you will see the shift. He said, you will see churches that preach the word, that hold a high standard, that allow the spirit of God to be known. He says, you will see an increase. He said, but you will see an increase in those churches as well. I was expecting the Lord to say, you know, they're going to close up shop. And the Lord says, no. He says, you will see those churches increased as well because people have itchy ears to hear what they want to hear. They, they will have a, a, a appetite to feed their flesh rather than their spirit because they got X, Y, and Z rather than being where they need to be. Amen? And I'm like, well, okay, Lord. So help us through this transition. Help us help people. And so if you've noticed, we've gotten a little bit more strong and a little bit more bold in just what we've been sharing. And here's where I've come to the realization that in the hour in that we're living, I would rather you be offended at some of the things that I say and get your heart right with God rather than just me leaving you alone and you missing out on the best years of your life. Amen. And so, listen, I know that there's times that it might be a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, dear God, pastor, you're stepping on my toes. Dear pastor, you're like... You're talking, and you just, the only thing you're not saying is my name. <laughs> we, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> but once again, how many of you know it's important for us to hear what we need to hear rather than what we want to hear? Amen. All right, so we said that it's going to rain. It's the glory and it's the presence of God that God wants to fall. But here's one of the things that you'll experience when the rain falls. Again, the scripture talks about the rain, and it's again talking of the Spirit of God that falls in the earth on the people. Well, when the rain falls, two things will happen. People will either repent or rebel. They'll say, oh God, I just want you. Or it will convict their hearts 
And because they want to do what they want to do, they will rebel and just either depart or find a church that just tells them what they want to hear. Say it with me. Say, I'm going to repent, not rebel. (laughs) Amen. All right, so let me bring this out in Scripture. Do we have any examples of this? And the answer is absolutely, absolutely yes. In 1 Kings chapter 18, I won't have you turn there. But if you recall, this is the story of Elijah that he went up against the prophets of Baal. But prior to that, he asked the people of God this question. In chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah spoke to the people and he says this. He says, how long will you falter between two opinions? Meaning the prophets of Baal and the God Jehovah. How long will you falter between two opinions? That word falter means to waver or to halt. Remember I said we will either repent or we'll rebel. Some people will say, well, I'll just kind of stay neutral. No, there is no neutral in God. If you think you're just kind of vegging out, just getting relaxed and rested, you know, well, the last church, you know, they just, oh, so I'm just vegging out. Listen, if you're just vegging out, then you're, you're, you're not standing still. You're going backwards. Because everything about God is moving forward. He's progressive. Can you say amen? And so once again, God's desiring for us to move forward, not to be halted, not to waver. He says, how long will you just stand still? And then we also know that in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30, it says this. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. He said, so all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. Listen, in order for we, the people of God, to get ourselves ready, we need to repair the broken altar. The altar has been broken. The altar represents a place of repentance. It it represents a place of honor. It represents a place of worship. And he says, come near me. Come here. Come near What happens when we come together as a church body? We come near. Do we come near just to say, hey, Pastor Tony, did you see me? I know that guy. Listen, I can't do anything for you. But the office that I stand in and the anointing that's upon my life can help you in this hour and this time. So I'm saying to you, come near me. Come near. Not me as the man, but me as the leader. As Paul says, follow me as I follow follow Christ. Don't do what I do as the natural man. Do what I do as the spiritual man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he says, the altar has been broken. Let's fix it. And I was thinking about this as I was putting this together. And I I almost... How how do I want to say that? I guess the best way to say it is that I just was apologetic. Because I started thinking about... The church. Remember how I said in the last two and a half decades, churches just look different? And and, and it almost made me apologetic to people that have come to church and have received Christ within the last two and a half decades. Because this is what they've had as the model. And when I say that, I don't say that to be condescending. But my point is, is that there was a time... When the church 
where the Spirit of God fell in such a way that people were hungry to come into the house of God. Where people were saying, it was, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. People longed to be in the church. They didn't just put it on their calendar to say, well, I got there this week and therefore I was busy all the rest. No, there was something about church that they just wanted to be there. There was a time in the church where people were hungry for the word of God and the word of God became alive. Now we live in a culture where nobody brings Bibles to church. And like I said, it almost made me want to apologize for new Christians. It says, this is what we showed you. This is the best that we have to offer. There was something better in the past. We were hungry for God back then, but sorry for where we're at today. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? I don't know if that's coming across right. And not to say that the old was better. I'm just simply saying there was a different heart. There is that which is coming because it's a new day and the better is upon us. We're going to experience the presence of God like never before, but we will have to contend for it. When we repair the altar, we're saying, God, we want to align not only the altar, but it's the altar of our heart where you become the priority of our life. And when you begin to contend for God, here's what's going to happen. This is going to be a subtle thing. He's not going to come slap you upside the head. And sometimes I wish he would. And when I say wish he would, I'm saying me. God, come on, man. Just slap me upside the head. Kick me in the rear end. God, please, will you just... Ugh. But God, don't do that. He just gives you a gentle nudge and a gentle pull. And he loves on you here and he loves on you there. And in that he's saying, come to the altar. Come to this place of repentance. Come to this place of holiness, of, of reaching out and worshiping me. And so you'll have to respond to it. That is your contending for. Amen? When you feel the nudge, how, I'm just, it's me. I'm going to tell you me. I'm watching TV. And there's that nudge, go pray. But I'm halfway through the program, God. There's that nudge to pray. It's a good show right now, God. And I wait. And then I see that after this program, there's another one on that I've been waiting for. But you know what? God don't nudge me the second time around. He nudged me the first time. And he wanted me to respond. God's not going to make you worship him. He will nudge you to say, come on, come on, I got more for you to see. Oh, I got miracles for you to see. I got goodness to show you. Oh, there's so much that I want you to experience. Oh, come on, just respond to the nudge. Can somebody say amen? amen. Are you doing okay this morning? As I said, the altar is a place of consecration. It's a place of repentance. It's a, a place of worship. And in that place, what begins to happen, we'll find that we'll spend time with God and he will become real. But we see that when they repaired the altar and the people of God began to worship him, the Bible says that before rain came, the fire came. I said before the rain came, the fire came. And it consumed the altar. So what is the consumption of God's fire do in our lives? It gets rid of all the junk. See, we've been trying to get rid of the junk before we come to church, before we feel like we're qualified, and then we wallow in all of our mess saying, God, I'm not qualified, and God, I can't because, and God says, listen, just allow the fire to fall, and I'll get all the crud off of you. 
The Bible says he's an all-consuming fire. And that scares people because they think, oh, dear God, if I'm going to get consumed by God, it just means that I'm going to be a weirdo and I can't do what I always do. Listen, that is not the heart of God. Let me give you an example. I was an avid golfer for years. For years, for probably 20 years, I golfed. I thought golf. I played golf. I dreamed golf. I exercised or went through my golf shot and the last time that I played and and then I was investing money in golf clubs and golf trips and golf balls and golf hats and everything was golf golf I I was consumed by golf but then my kids started coming along and started having some different interests started to rise up and bubble up and then all of a sudden I started hunting and fishing again (laughs) and I started hunting and fishing again and then I started hunting and fishing again and it's been six years since I've played golf well why is it that I've stopped playing golf it's because I got consumed with hunting and fishing and now it's been what I want to do. It's what I think about. Man, I go buy lures and I don't tell my wife about it. I buy fishing poles and I put it up in the attic because, you know, for a rainy day, the, you know, I need that fishing pole. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm consumed with hunting and fishing. And never once have I said, oh, dear God, I don't play golf anymore. I mean, the thought might come like, wow, that'd be fun. But you know where I'm consumed right now? Hunting and fishing. Are you seeing the difference of how religion has told told us that being pursued by God is a bad thing or I'm going to have to give up things that I so desperately love to do? No, when you're consumed by God, the fire of God comes, you just begin to fall passionately in love with other things and it just happens to be God. And again, for some of you, because of the example we've set as a church, you're like, dear God, to be on fire for God means you're a weirdo. I'm telling you to be fire, being on fire for God is the most exciting thing that you can ever experience in your life. You talk about the realness and the, the love of God. Oh, my goodness, man. You get God all over you. you whoo, come on, man. When you show up, God shows up. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? So he said the altar, we need to repair the altar so that the fire can come. But once the fire came, then the prophet Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Rain's coming after the fire. And what's the rain do? It saturates the soil that the fruit and the precious fruit of the earth can come to fruition. Amen. I'm telling you what, you've got so much increase that's coming. But again, we've got to begin to hear the sound of the, rain, of the abundance of rain. In verse 41, uh, he said this. He said, I heard the sound of a rain, the abundance of rain. And he says, go get ready before the rain stops you. What does that mean? In this hour, the rain is the presence and the glory of God. He says, go get ready before the rain stops you. Well, why would it stop you? Because when it stops you, we're going home. He's taking the church. But it's raining and rain is coming. So he says, let's get ready. And I don't know if you've gotten so stiff and starchy that you've stopped liking playing in the rain. But my kids still like playing in the rain. Are you hearing me? 
And if you'll just allow yourself to indulge. Singing in the rain. I almost started to dance like, what's his face, you know? Singing in the rain. You hearing me? Oh, you'll enjoy the rain. Because it's all about God. Oh, you'll look at your wife, your husband differently. You'll look at your kids differently. You'll look at your work differently. Why? Because the rain begins to produce something in you that only comes from God. Come on, say, I want the rain. Now, you might say, well, what does the rain do? Or I should say it this way. The fire of God creates a healthy heart so that the rain can produce fruit. You might say, well, how do I know whether I have a healthy heart or not? Have you stopped dreaming? If you've stopped dreaming about life, about opportunities, about what God wants to do in and through you, then you've allowed your heart to get unhealthy. Because the moment that your heart gets healthy, you start seeing with the eyes of God. Oh God, we can do that. Oh God, we can change that. Oh God, we can make a difference here. We can make a difference there. When your eyes begin to get, or excuse me, when your heart gets healthy, you'll start to have dreams and visions of what God can do in and through again. Amen. It so grieves my heart when you see people get older in their life and they're saying, well, it's done. And they just sit back and retire. Listen, do you recall that the men of old, before the presence of God ever was in manifestation, the old patriarchs, well up in years, they were saying, listen, I'm not done. We asked the question, is it done? And if it's not done, then we ask the question, what mountain are we going to conquer today? Amen. God's called us to change the landscape. Amen. Let's stand. We'll finish there. I'll wrap it up there. And once again, I'm going to just take a moment to get real bold and get up in your business. Because now is the time that we stop making excuses. Now is the time that we stop playing the victim. And every single person, myself included, can have some kind of excuse. God, the reason that I'm not where I need to be with you, God, is because, well, you know, my mom and dad. You know how I was raised. And it's their fault, God. You know the heart the scars that I have on my heart. And so therefore, God, it's mom and dad's fault. See, the thunder <laughs> comes before the rain. See, I'm telling you, God's moving. <laughs> I said, it's time to stop playing the victim. God, I'd pursue you if it wasn't for my husband or my wife. Listen, your husband or your wife cannot make you not have a relationship with God. You can use them as a crutch all day long. But ultimately, it's up to you. You can say, well, my kid's this and my kid's that. No, listen. There's no more excuses. You might say, you know what? The, the last church that I was at or the pastor or the people that are, I got so hurt in that last church that I'm just going to sit here with my arms crossed because, listen, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. And you could sit there all day long with your arms crossed because of what happened in the last church or what people did to you, what your mom and daddy did or whatever the case is. But when Jesus comes, what are we going to say to him? He's going to say, I paid the price. 
I forgave them. I forgave the, the faults. Therefore, why didn't you and move on to the goodness and seeing the, 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 the fruit of what I wanted in your life? Are you here this morning? And if you're saying, is pastor talking to me? I'm not talking to anybody in specific. I'm saying we all need to stop playing the victim and say, God, now is a new day. I'm going to pursue you. We're rebuilding the altar. God, send the fire and pour out your rain because you're coming soon. Amen. I hope you know that we love you. And how many of you know that God loves you? More, well, I should say he loves you just the way that we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay where we're at. There are people that need Jesus in this community. There are churches that are struggling all over this county, all over this state, all over the world. And it could always look better somewhere else. I'm saying you're in the right place at the right time. Make a difference. Pursue God. And let's run together. Amen. Come on, let's play in the rain together. Let's make mud pies together. Let's get, get our hands dirty together. And some of you prima donnas, I know we'll provide the soap for you. <laughs> Have you heard my heart this morning? Oh God, I'm telling you, it is the finest hour. The greatest days of our lives. Let's run after him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that every single person, Lord, that's watching, listening, that's in attendance. God, I pray that our hearts have not heard the words of a man bringing condemnation. But God, the heart of a loving father that's saying you love us so much that you want us to run to you. God, we want to know you. And God, as I've said before, God, you'll meet us if we just have the want to to want to. God, you'll meet us there. And God will purpose to respond to the pulls and the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. Of making the adjustments in our life to repent here and to consecrate here. God, we just want to know you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 That's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.